I heard uh, this week two stories about uh, our uh, pre-service video. I heard a conversation, overheard a conversation of a wife telling uh, the office staff that her husband uh, made a decision that every Sunday through the rest of this series, on Sunday afternoon, they're going to have steak and potatoes. And then I heard, uh, I got an email from uh, a young adult who said that they went out to eat and they purposely ordered steak and potatoes for this series. So anyways, I don't know about you, but uh, maybe some of you can relate to, to me. I grew up learning and then driving a stick shift. Anybody? Okay. All right. Some of, about half the crowd understands what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this, you know, that's, I'm not talking about that at all. This is what I'm talking about right there, right there. And uh, if, you're, if you're new to this whole idea, uh, there's three pedals with a stick shift, all right? You have a thing called the clutch, say clutch, all right? Then obviously the brake and the gas. Um, and you could tell who drove stick shifts when they wore shorts, because you look at their calves. <laughs> One day, uh, living in San Jose, I had a, had a job up in uh, San Francisco, and, and so I was going to go to a bunch of different places, and, and I asked to borrow my dad's cool 67 yellow El Camino, and I thought it was great, because I love the sound, love the speed. It was great until I got into the city of San Francisco, and I had to navigate incredible hills, nasty hills, and they had the audacity to put a stop sign at the top of each hill. So here I am trying to feather the clutch and the gas and stuff because I had no handbrake. You know, the, the emergency brake was on the floor as well. I don't have three feet. And so, I mean, my stress level went up and my calves looked like that the rest of that week, I believe. Now, over the years, I've taught... Um, Oh, the, oh, sorry, I saw this meme a while back that I thought, think is so awesome and so true about an anti-theft, most effective anti-theft system in America. You won't have your car stolen if, you, if it's a stick shift. Over the years, I've taught a number of, of teenagers how to drive a uh, stick shift when I was a youth pastor. I taught all my girls in the parking lot at the Kitsap Mall um, because, you know, in case of emergency, they, they would know what to do. And, and so... You know, I, I can't just tell them, this is what you do. You know, you put the clutch in and you feather the gas and, and you'll be fine. No, we had, they actually had to get in, you know, the car behind the wheel and we had to drive and we sputtered and stopped and jerked. And, you know, because if you're not, I'm not familiar with this, with this whole thing, when you put the clutch in, you got to give a gas. And the tendency is to really give a gas, which the RPMs jump way in the air. And if you pull the clutch out too fast, you'd kill the engine. And everything's jerking, all right? And, and, and so you got to put the clutch in to shift gears to different gears. And then on the gas and feather it. Then when you needed to put on the brake, you need to put the clutch in to put on the brake. Or you would kill the engine. It was quite, quite the experience. Got to know um, people's stress level, personality, and if they're walking with Jesus or not, trying to learn how to drive a stick shift. Now, living the Christian life would be easy if it was just a standard shift. You get saved, 
you take the stick and you just push the button on the side, you put it in the drive, and you go forward. Oh, you made a mistake, push the brake, put it in neutral, kick it up to reverse, go back, put it in drive, do it again, do it the right way. The Christian life would be easy if it was a standard shift. No, this is the Christian life right here. This is a Christian life, and we're going to walk through that today. And too many Christians are wondering why, and they're frustrated. Why is my walk with Jesus stalling? Why is my spiritual life just this jerky, bumpy, I keep killing my spiritual engine, and I get, you're going to be frustrated to, not, to know how do I not kill the engine of my spiritual life with Jesus? Now, if you are joining us today, we're continuing in our series called Steak and Potatoes. And we're walking through the book of Romans, understanding the, the kind of the theology of who God is, his standards, his judgment, but also his gospel, his good news, and his grace. But from chapter 5 on, it's really, although the gospel is still woven through the rest of the book, it's here's how to live a Christian life. Here's how to win in the Christian life. And too many, sadly, too many people don't know how to win. So go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8, chapter 7 was last week, the most probably debated chapter in this book. And we talked about how there's a battle inside all of us, but we determine who wins. We determine who wins, and we left the message by some of you saying, I, I, I get it, I know the battle is living inside. I understand it because I'm in the battle, but how do I win? And I said, well, I'll see you next Sunday. So here we are. Here we are. If you're taking notes, here's a central point. Who you listen to determines which desire wins. Who you listen to, see, this is how, why we, we get to choose who wins. Who we listen to determines which desire wins. All of us have this thing called the flesh. All right? I'm not talking about the skin itself. It's like this body. It's filled with natural, sinful desires. All right, We see something that is lustful and we lust. And we keep looking or we keep clicking. We, we see something that we want and we covet. I mean, it just comes natural to us. That's the flesh. We can just give in to those desires and that desire will win. Or we have this thing called the spirit of God as a believer and we can listen to him and we will win, really win. So the analogy of this clutch and brake and gas, the Holy Spirit is the clutch. You gotta constantly use him so that you can go to another gear or in reverse through his power, through his strength. And the word of God, the scriptures, are the brakes. Stop that. Don't go there, slow down. Or it's also the gas, move forward, obey, obey, trust. The Holy Spirit has to be in line, working together with, in tandem with, the gas and the brakes. The Holy Spirit and scripture, they go together. If you ignore the scriptures, you're gonna kill the engine. You're gonna kill your, your progress with God. If you ignore 
the clutch and all you got is the, the rev, the, and, you know, I, I want to do this, I want to do this, but you ignore the Holy Spirit, you won't go into the next gear, you will kill your spiritual momentum. You have to use them both in tandem. Now, who you listen to will determine, all right, who, who's going to win. So let me read a few verses, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, based upon what was talked about in chapter 7, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, although he wasn't sinful, he looked like a person, he was. So he sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. That's the cross. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So at salvation, we receive, you receive, if you trusted in Jesus, what he did on the cross and then he rose again, proving that he was God. At salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and then he helps us, he helps us win. Now, here's the challenge that many, many people struggle with. Is after salvation, they cannot get over their past sin and their past stupidity, and their past shame, and they get stuck. They get stuck. Of all the stupid things you've done, all the sinful things you've done, you are stuck. You're not listening to scripture. You know, it says now you, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. You're not listening to scripture. You may say, oh yeah, that's true, but you're not living it. And you're ignoring the Holy Spirit who says you are forgiven, you have been set free. And people who struggle with their past, with their shame, with their sin, are, 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 are saying this. Maybe you can help me finish the statement. I can forgive other people, but I just can't forgive myself. How many of you have ever heard that before? I can forgive other people, but I just can't forgive myself. One of the counselors we, we partner with here in Kitsap County, they go to our church and they're also counseling. I read his, his updated like newsletter and he, and he quoted Romans 8.1. And he says when, pe- when he hears people in his counseling session, and I got permission to share the, the, what he said. Um, he, he, he said when they say, well, I, I, just, I just can't forgive myself. He asks this question, how does it feel to be God? I love that question. How does it feel to be God? Because that's the role you're trying to play. Well, I, you know, I can forgive other people, but you know, I, I just can't forgive God. Guess what? You are not God and he has forgiven you. Now, what, what I thought when John said that in his, you know, kind of his newsletter, I, I thought of Loki and Hulk in the Avengers. 
when, when, when Loki and Hulk, you know, the Hulk, Incredible Hulk, they, they kind of get there and, and Loki was like, I am, all of you are beneath me. All of you are beneath me, uh, you know, for I am a God, you dull creature. Which the Hulks then grabs Loki by the feet and just smashes him. And he throws him on the ground. He's kind of indented into the ground. And Loki is gasping for air. And Hulk walks off and says, puny God. (laughs) If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. And when you say, I just can't forgive myself, and you stay stuck, you're not only acting like God, but you are a puny God. Now, I'm not not saying this to offend you. I'm saying this to kind of shake you, to go, stop it. Stop it. This gift of forgiveness, open it up and enjoy it and be set free because you have been set free. You're not God. and He has forgiven you of your sin. So this next point for your notes I hope there's some hallelujahs and amens on it. In Christ, you are no longer defined by what you've done wrong, but defined by what Jesus did right. All right, that was lame. Let me try that again. Hopefully there's some hallelujahs, okay? Hopefully there's like praise God, thank you God. Now let's try it again. Back the tape up. In Christ, in a saving relationship with Christ, you are no longer defined by what you've done wrong, but, but defined by what Jesus did right. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Because if you don't buy this and believe this, you will stay in the ditch spiritually and not move forward in the freedom that God paid for on the cross, sealed with the resurrection, and has called you to live in. That's why in verse one, let's walk this through. There is now, that is current, that is current, that there there is now no condemnation. It is complete. No condemnation. It is finished. The full debt of your sin debt is zeroed out on the cross. It's current, it's complete, but this verse is conditional. It is for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why it's, it's, it's so, I'm so passionate, and I understand there's people that come and are watching online, they're not, not yet saved. This is why you need to trust in Christ as your Savior, because without Jesus, you are condemned. Your sin is damning you to hell. And Jesus is like, man, I paid, I paid your way out of it. I took the dead on the cross, sealed it by the open grave. And you trust in Jesus for what he did on the cross for you. And that's why that this sets up verse 2. Contrast that the spirit that we receive as salvation, the spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Set free from the law of sin and death. Are you going to choose to listen to your past? Listen to all that junk, all that sin, all that shame? Then you're going you're to keep killing the engine. You're not going to move forward. Or are you going to choose to listen to the Holy Spirit who has set you free 
you know, it has, has, has gives, gives you life and sets you free. And the scripture that declares who you are in Christ. Who you listen to determines if you're gonna, if you're gonna win with, with Christ or not. Now let's continue in this chapter, verse five. I'm gonna read first through verse 13. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm or under control of their flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not, positionally, are not in the realm or under the control of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. They are not saved. They don't have the spirit. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives in you. See, everything changes that salvation. The old is gone, the new has come. Part of that new is the spirit of God, God residing in us. And here's the deal. We determine who wins. We determine, because somebody's gonna win. Our flesh, those, those natural sinful desires, or following after the spirit. Someone's gonna determine who wins. Someone's gonna determine the direction, direction that you're, you're gonna go in life. And direction determines destination. Every, destina- every, every direction has a destination. It's gonna keep going down the flesh path, or you're gonna start growing and really walking and living in the spirit and in the freedom that that provides you. Verse five, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh desires. What does that mean? You keep thinking about sinful stuff. You keep thinking about sinful desires. You keep clicking on sinful desires. You keep reading stuff that triggers and inflames you know, the wrong desires. Why? Because your mind is set there, it keeps going there. It always takes that exit off your freeway of life because your desires are, are, are following what your mind is wanting and your body then gives into it. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Your mind is different. You're like, okay, I want to follow the spirit. What does the spirit, what does the spirit want me to think on, dwell on, look at, listen to, watch? And if you're determined to follow the spirit, you're going to have the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That's because your mind has been made up to follow the spirit and you start thinking on what the spirit wants you to think on, dwell on, uh, marinate on. 
and then you're going to see the result. Now, now, I understand that there's a number of people here that are new in their faith, and this whole Holy Spirit thing sounds weird. Guess what? It sounds weird. All right, now, the, the, the church that I grew up in, the, 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 the version, the translation of the Bible that I grew up with is the King James, and it never mentioned the Holy Spirit. It mentioned the Holy Ghost, and I'm like, as a kid going, this kind of freaks me out. Jesus, before he was arrested and put to death and rose again, he told his disciples in John chapter 13, I'm leaving, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I will come back. In fact, I'm leaving and I need to leave so that I will leave you my spirit. That was like mind-blowing to them. And then Jesus spent three chapters after that, you know, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talks about the spirit of God and what he's going to do and how he's going to help you <coughs> and, and all that. So, so it, I get it. It sounds strange if you're new to Bible study or you're not a believer yet. Now, let me ask you this question, paint a picture. How many of you have some type of GPS in your car, on your phone? Okay. All right. How many of you have a GPS and you're always getting lost? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Okay, that, that's the act of insanity, all right? GPS. What if someone comes out from the, you know, the, the forest and they have no concept of modern culture? Or, or maybe you're all of a sudden time machine and you go back 200 years. And you're trying to explain to them the GPS. They're going to look at you like, you're, you're smoking something. All right, or you're weird. You're like, no, I gotta make a call. What do you mean? You just like yell? No, I pick up this device called a phone and I I dial it and it sends a signal up to a satellite uh, up in in space. Can you see the signal? No, it's invisible. Can I see the satellite? No, it's too far away. And the satellite throws that signal back around to the other side of the world and somebody on the other side of the world can pick up their phone call and you can have a conversation. They're going to look at you like, that's impossible. That sounds so strange. And you go, no, no, it's simple. It's GPS. Well, what does GPS stand for? Stand for where it's global positioning system. See, we, we, we take it for granted. We put in an address, you know, you know, push the button, start driving, and it talks to us. Try to tell your, your friend who doesn't understand that. And they talk to me. Can you see them? No, they're invisible too. They're going to think, you got, you're crazy. You're just absolutely a lunatic. You're like, no, 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 it's real because I have experienced it. You, we get GPSs at salvation. Jesus says, I'm going to give you my own GPS. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's God's positioning spirit. That's, that's what happens. Again, if you're not a believer and you're talking about, oh, yeah, when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. They're like, can, I, can you open your mouth and let me see him? It's like, no, it's it, it, God's Spirit. He talks to me and he guides me and he, he helps me understand Scripture better. And he, and he warns me and he convicts me and he helps me and he encourages me. And, 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 and all, he's there to help me in life. It's God's positioning Spirit. And he's with me. The spirit of Jesus is with me every step of every day. That's amazing. So you can listen to your flesh and just give in to what comes natural. Or you're going to listen to the spirit. You have a choice. 
And, and, and Paul even gives a f- examples of what, if you do this, what happens? If you do that, what happens? That's why in verse 6 it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Again, that doesn't mean you physically die, but it's, you're separated from something. But if the mind is governed by the spirit, it brings life. See the contrast? Death and then life and peace. Life and peace. Here's how this plays out. If you follow um, the, your flesh, you're going to experience some kind of death in a relationship. Because you responded by what just comes natural to you. It's going to be a death of trust. It's going to be a death of, of like, man, I don't think you're really a kind person anymore. Why? Because you just, just, it just came out of your mouth. It was so hurtful and so mean. There, and also, I, I can't really be close to you anymore. There's a death of that relationship. It's a death of certain, you know, um, emotions. Uh, there, no, you had peace. Now you don't have peace. It's a death of, 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 of purity. It's a death even of finances. Whatever we, our mind goes down the path and we choose, I'm just going to give in to what comes natural to me. When I get upset, I just let it fly. When I get in trouble, I just lie. Okay? You can choose that, but you're choosing the destination of death. Something is going to be separated from you. Or you can listen to the Spirit, which gives life to that relationship, hope in that relationship, peace in that relationship, life in the area of purity, peace in the area of purity, you know, life in the area of emotions, peace in the area of emotions. We choose who wins, and it's who we listen to. So who we listen to. So how do you know the difference of when you're tempted or when a situation comes up, how can you tell the difference of this, this is your flesh or this is the spirit of God? I wrote some things down to help you. My flesh has a loud voice. The spirit of God is soft and still voice. My flesh wants my truth. The spirit will tell God's truth to me. My flesh wants my way. I just want this. The Spirit says, no, I want you to have God's way in your life. But my flesh is, well, this is what I think. And the Spirit goes, well, this is what Scripture says. My flesh, there's an absence of peace. But with the Spirit of God, there's the presence of peace that passes all understanding. And my flesh will draw me away from God. The spirit of God always will draw me closer to God. We have, if you're a believer, we have access to something so great and so powerful, so so incredible that helps us win in every area of our life. So if I would ask you, um, who's the opposite of God? Some of you might be thinking, well, it's Satan. No, he's not. Satan is a created being that is absolutely uncomparable to the creator himself. The opposite of Satan is Michael the archangel. 
But Satan is powerful. Satan is, you know, he stirs up evil. He stirs up lust. He stirs up anxiety and anger and, and all that sort of stuff. There is power. You should be aware of him. But believer, believer, when you trusted in Christ, God gave you, Jesus gave you his spirit for you to win in every area of your life. Every area of your life. And the spirit of God is always greater than Satan. And if we lean into him and listen to him, when we're in the battle, when our, 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 our natural flesh, the sinful desires are screaming at us, the spirit of God will always defeat them if we lean into him, if we listen to him, if we obey him. Jesus said, I have to leave, but I will give you my spirit and I will always be with you. Oh, stop, stop killing the engine in your spiritual walk. Keep constantly pushing in the clutch of the Holy Spirit, you know, to help you, you know, downshift or upshift. And when the, when, the, when the Spirit of God is engaged, along with Scripture that tells you to accelerate, to move forward in faith, do not move forward in fear. Trust me, you push on that accelerator and you pop the clutch and keep going. But if the Spirit of God says, whoa, Scripture says, hold on, slow down, you get your foot off the accelerator, you put it on the brake, and you downshift, and you live in obedience, and you will be victorious in every single area of your life. Oh, yes, there's a battle. It's real. But Jesus says, greater is in you, it's talking about the Spirit, than is in the world. It's the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray, and then we're going to finish with a song called The Battle Belongs to the Lord, because it's his battle, and he's with us. Whatever you're struggling with, he's right there, and he's waiting for you to trust in his spirit and lean into him and obey. Would you stand with me in prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for conquering sin and death on the cross sealed it by the open grave and by your resurrection. And Jesus, thank you for the promise you gave your disciples. It's the same promise you give us today. When we trust in you, your spirit resides in us. The God's positioning spirit who will always give us direction, will always warn us, encourage us, comfort us. Anything and everything that we need. And in walking in line with the Spirit of God, we can be victorious in any battle we are facing. Thank you, Jesus, that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. They have been given to the Spirit who gives life and has set us free. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The battle belongs to Jesus. Spoiler alert, Jesus has won. The victory is his. You see my victory.
Because of the Spirit of God is with us.